Well, I want to welcome you to all of our services today here in our celebration service and across the way in our summit service and all those from home. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. As you know, hopefully by now, July is for the Psalms around here. We've taken the month of July and just committed ourselves to reading through much of the book of the the book of Psalms and seeing how God can bless us uh, in, these, in these words. Uh, we began to do this last year. We took the first one-third of the Psalms. Uh, today, this month, this year, uh, we're focusing on the middle third of the Psalms. And if the Lord allows, next year we will wrap it up and take the last 50 or so Psalms. Uh, I hope you've joined us in this in that I hope you're reading with us every day out of the Psalms. Uh, if you're not, we invite you to do that. You can go to our webpage and right there, there's a link to a, a section of the page that will walk you through the reading plan of what we're reading as a church in the book of Psalms every day. Today, Psalm 72, tomorrow 73, but it's all right there on our webpage. If you've not been reading with us, don't try to catch up. Just go to that webpage tomorrow morning and you start right where we are and you finish the month reading the book of Psalms. Uh, we're working also as a church to memorize one of the Psalms. And it's the Psalm uh, that, uh, at least in the celebration service, that we just quoted a few moments ago, Psalm 63, and that's the psalm I'll be preaching on today. Uh, last year, we memorized Psalm 8, and I heard so many encouraging words of just how God used that uh, memorization to be a blessing to people and to families, and I know that the same will be true for Psalm 63 and then another part of this is we would like for you as a family, at least a couple of times a week uh, in your evening meal time as a family, would you go through some of the Psalms? And so our ministers here, eight of our ministers have prepared a video devotion on one of the Psalms. And you can get this on our webpage, the same as the reading plan. And these are pretty short video devotions. There's a written component that goes with it. But in five or 10 minutes, you as a family can have you know, just a devotional moment and a discussion about one of the Psalms. And I think that'll be an encouragement to you. I've not seen all the videos, but I've seen a few of those. Uh, some are already posted online and uh, they are uh, encouraging videos. And I would love for you to be a part of that. Well, as I said, we're in Psalm 63. That'll be our focus today. But before we just jump into the text of the scripture, I wanted to step back and just talk about the value of the Psalms. When we read in the book of Psalms, it's very different than much of the rest of the Bible. It sounds differently. It reads differently than other parts of the Bible. So what, 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 are, what are the Psalms about? Well, what we have here, uh, for the most part, are prayers uh, songs, uh, perhaps at times, but expressions that David or other people uh, have, uh, have offered to the Lord. These are prayers that they have prayed. These are songs that they have sung. And it really gives us a picture of their walk with the Lord. It allows us to look over their shoulder. It allows us to have, if you will, a snapshot of what's going on in their devotional time and see how it is that they walk with the Lord. 
And there are several things that the Psalms do for us. Number one, the Psalms teach us some important truths. Oftentimes, as you go through the 150 Psalms that we have here, we will learn things about the nature of God, the character of God. We'll learn things about God's word. I think about Psalm 19, which tells us just how reliable God's word is, just how precious God's word is. And so one of the purposes of the Psalms is to teach us something. But another purpose we see here in the Psalms is that they model the spiritual life for us. Uh, They model for us what prayer should look like. They model for us what praise and worship should look like. They model for us how it is that we should confess our sins. They model for us what we should do when we're in times of difficulty or times of grief. The book of Psalms provides a model for our spiritual lives. A third thing that the book of Psalms does is it provides comfort to us. There's so many Psalms here that will comfort us in difficult times. I think about the 23rd Psalm, which is the most well-known Psalm of all of these that we find in the book. How many people have been comforted through the years by the 23rd Psalm? Verse four of that Psalm says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And that verse has comforted all of us. The fourth thing the Psalms do is they inspire us. They inspire us to to worship. They inspire us to praise. Many of the songs that we sing in our worship time come straight from the Psalms that we read in the Bible because this is an encouragement and an inspiration for praise and, and for worship. But then the fifth thing, and I think for us this morning, perhaps the most important thing that the Psalms do is that they, they give us a way to measure our own spiritual expression. They give us a way to measure our faith. They give us a way to look at and to, and to have some sort of understanding and measurement to gauge what our walk with the Lord is all about. I'd actually prepared a little different message on Psalm 63 Uh, A little earlier this week, I was uh, in Israel and I was flying back and I spent some of my flight time writing a little outline from Psalm 63. But I tell you, since then, I've just read through the psalm a few times and I have been so impressed with how this psalm has, has become a measurement for my spiritual life that that's what I want to share with you today. The book of Psalms really... It becomes a measuring stick for our own relationship with God. It's sort of like the the puzzle box top. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you're putting together a puzzle, you've got a 500-piece puzzle, and you're trying to figure out where all the pieces go and how they fit together. What do you do? You continually look to the top of the box, right? Because that has the picture on it. That shows you what it's supposed to look like. Well, the book of Psalms really gives us a peek into David's walk with God. And the book of Psalms becomes the top of the box to show us what our Christian life ought to look like what my passion for God should look like, what my affection for the things of God should look like. The book of Psalms becomes a measurement for our faith. Now, how important is that? Is it important that we pause at times and just measure our spiritual walk? Well, yes, it's very important. 
And it's important for a number of reasons. One, one is it's important because sometimes without us even realizing it, we develop a tired faith. Do you know what I mean by a tired faith? We, we end up with a faith, we end up with a connection with the Lord that is just lethargic. There's no energy and there's no excitement. Uh, there's no delta to our faith. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't bring joy to our life. It doesn't bring honor to the Lord. It doesn't motivate us towards sacrificial giving. It doesn't inspire us toward fervent prayer. It doesn't lift our voices to worship. Sometimes we just have a tired faith and we don't even recognize it until we go to the book of Psalms and we see something of David's faith and it helps us to see that our faith has just grown tired over the years. I tell you, there's another reason to measure our faith with the book of Psalms, not only to help us recognize when we have a tired faith, but also to help us recognize when we have a sick faith. Sometimes our faith can just become ill, it can become sick, And just like our physical bodies are sick sometimes because we have foreign bodies in our body. We have an infection. We have germs or a virus or maybe there's some poison, food poisoning in our bodies and it makes us physically sick. There can be things in our spiritual lives. There can be sins in our spiritual lives that can make our faith sick. And oftentimes we don't even recognize that. Until we read the book of Psalms and we see the fervency of David's life, the fervency of David's spiritual life, and then that helps us to see that our faith can be sick. There's a third reason why we should measure our faith. Some people just have a false faith. Uh, Sometimes we don't recognize until we see the genuine item, the the authentic faith in the book of Psalms, we don't recognize that our faith is, is just false. You know, when you read the book of Psalms, you see that David had this constant, ongoing, present tense love and passion for God. Whereas a lot of people who call themselves Christians today Their faith, what there is of faith, is really a historic faith. You talk to them about their faith and they'll tell you there was once a time when I was baptized. There was once a time 20 years ago that I prayed a prayer. There was was a time when I joined the church and, and their whole faith looks back to some historic event. But when we read the book of Psalms, we see that David's faith was not a historic faith. It was a present faith. David had a passion for God. David had a love for God that changed everything about the way that he lived out his faith. I think one of the most valuable things about the book of Psalms is that we read these verses, that we see into David's expression of faith, and that we use that as the top of the box to evaluate our own faith, the health of our own faith, and see where we fall short. So I want us to do exactly that today. Psalm 63, I want to read it to you, uh, the first few verses anyway. I'll make some comments as we go, but I want you to compare your faith with David's faith. I want you to see if reading of David's faith 
highlights shortcomings in your own faith. So let me read. Verse 1, God, you are my God, and I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you, for my body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. And so he establishes that God is his God. God, you are my God. It's very clear. And then he uses three different expressions to talk about his longing for God. He says, I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you. And then he references his current situation in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. Um, We believe that this Psalm was written by David during a time of great calamity in his life, probably uh, toward the end of his life uh, when he had to flee his home, when he had to flee the city of Jerusalem because his son Absalom was trying to kill him. Uh, You talk about a family collapsing. You talk about dysfunction. You, you, You talk about a hard day in a man's life that things get so upside down that you have to flee your home because your son is trying to take over your kingdom and bring an end to your life. David, his life was as bad as it could ever be. But even in the midst of this dry, desolate, and waterless time, he's talking about his relationship with the Lord, his, his joys just dried up. Even at that time, He was able to say, my passion, my love, my earnest pursuit is is the Lord. Look at verse 2. He says, so I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. In most Bible translations, this verse is in the past tense. I have gazed on you in the sanctuary. Likely, um, he's looking back on the times that he could go into the tabernacle and worship the Lord there in that sanctuary. But now he can't because he's separated from the city. He is fleeing for his life. And so he longs for those times. Verse three, he says, my lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. Now just let that verse wash over you. I want to read it again. He says, my lips. Now remember, he's, um, he, he is, He is in the pit of life. Life is hard and it's difficult and there's disappointment and failure and fear and danger. But he says in verse three, my lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. Verses four and five, he says, so I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. He finds a way to praise the Lord, to thank the Lord, even in his difficult time. Verse six, when I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches. Probably this refers to some sleeplessness just because he's in the wilderness and he's he's running from the enemy, his son and others. But even when he is unable to sleep, his focus is on the Lord. Then look at verses seven and eight, because you are my helper and I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. So he has joy. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you, verse eight, your right hand holds on to me. So how does your faith, how does my faith compare 
to David's faith. This, this, if this is the box top, if this is what uh, my faith should look like, even in a hard time, how does my faith compare to the faith that I see uh, of David in his, uh, in his time of distress? Now, let me give you a little warning here. Uh, Because I know the temptation, it's my temptation, so perhaps it's yours. Our temptation is to excuse ourselves because we're going through a tough time. Our temptation is to say, well, my faith is not as strong, but I'm just going through a, a difficult season of life right now. My faith is not as strong, but it's because I'm dealing with some stuff right now. My faith is not as strong, but it's a temporary situation. But you've got to understand that all those things were also true of David. David was going through the most difficult season of life. David was dealing with some stuff. His family had collapsed. He was running for his life. David was in some sort of temporary situation. He has left his home and he's he's lost in the desert, so to speak. There's no excuse. There's just a measurement. How does our faith measure against the faith of David expressed in, in these verses? That's a question we just need to answer straight up. How does it compare? So I want to give you just two or three quick instructions. If you're like me, when you read Psalm 63, or many of the Psalms, I see a, a bright reminder of the deficiencies, the weaknesses in my faith. So what do we do? If our faith does not measure up, what do we do? Let me give you two or three quick things. Number one, confess the true condition of your faith. Uh, The first step to stronger faith is, is being honest about the weakness of your faith, the sickness of your faith, or if your faith is false, you have to admit that you have a false faith, that you have a weak faith, whatever is the situation, before we can, before we can see our faith change. It's, it's when we're reluctant to pause and recognize the shortcomings. It's when we are reticent to make a full confession of the weakness of our faith, that we have this deception in us that will metastasize and, and, and bring ruin to our, to our faith. Now, I know the, short, the temptation when we see these shortcomings is, is just to commit ourselves to doing a lot of things. This has been my weakness all my life. When I recognize that, that I'm falling short, when I recognize that my faith doesn't match up, I immediately think, well, I need to go and do a bunch of things. I need to pray more. I need to read more. I need to commit more. I need to give more. But that would be a mistake. The first thing we must do is to pause and recognize and confess our shortcomings. You know, Jesus told the people in the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation chapter 2 that they had lost their first love. They lost their first love. I wonder how many of us, Jesus would say of us, that we've lost our first love. And you can see it there. If your faith doesn't compare favorably to David's faith here in Psalm 63. But then Jesus gives some instructions. And his first instruction to those that had lost their first love was to stop and remember the height from which you have fallen. 
What Jesus was telling them is that you need to stop and confess the shortcomings. Before, before you go any further, before, before we try to find some fix, in order for us not to live a life filled with deception, we have to recognize that we fall short. We have to recognize where we've, where we've come up short. I think sometimes, uh, sometimes the problem is that we... We love the benefits of God, but we don't really love God, and we see that represented, we see that highlighted by this scripture passage and others. We, we see here in Psalm 63 that David had a, a genuine love for God, but sometimes our love is for something else. Imagine that you're stranded at sea and you're drowning, and, and so a, a boat shows up and, and rescues you. Are you thankful for the rescue? Absolutely. Are you in love with the captain that guided the ship to you? No, not necessarily. You're just glad you were rescued. And I'm afraid too often our spiritual lives become more about a thankfulness that we've been rescued than a genuine love for God who has rescued us. And so the first thing we must do is confess. We must confess that our faith doesn't measure up. So this is a little bit different kind of message today, and I want to embrace that. So let's do this. Bow your head and close your eyes. We're not finished, <laughs> but bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. And I want us just to, just to confess, if it's true of you, just to confess that our faith doesn't measure up. Do you have a, a weak faith? Do you have a sick faith because of sin? Or do you have a false faith? Father, listen to our prayers and help us as we read the book of Psalms just to recognize the faith expressed by David and then to confess the true condition of our own faith. Father, where we've fallen short, we tell you, we confess that. Forgive us. Put us on the path uh, that will energize our faith. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Second thing that I suggest you do, not only do we confess our faith, our shortcomings, but secondly, we we must deal with the sin that separates us from the Lord. If, if your faith is, is a faith that's, that's real, but it's a faith that's lethargic or weak or tired or sick, there's a reason for that. Just as if you're physically sick, you may have an infection or, or, or you may have some poison, some food poison in you. There's something in us that weakens our faith. And in the case of faith, that something is, is always sin. It's always sin. Sin's what weakens our faith. And, and, and this is important to recognize because if your faith is weak, and, and, and I hear people say this all the time, well, then I just need to do more, and I need to serve more, and I need to give more. Well, you may need to do all of those things, but as long as we're embracing sin in our lives, our faith will never, never be healthy. When I was in Israel last week, we visited a lot of sites that... Uh, it gave us an opportunity to see where Jesus had walked, and 
We went to places where Jesus had performed miracles and important places as they're described in the gospel and, 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 and other places. Uh, but one of the most interesting, yet one of the saddest places we went to see was the, uh, was the place where Jesus was crucified. And when you go to the place that uh, likely all evidence points to this place, the place that Jesus was crucified, what you find there is a bus depot. It's not a, you know, a hillside with grass and a, you know, and a cross and a place to have quiet worship. It's a, it's a busy bus depot. And when we looked over at that bus depot, I was just so disappointed. And, 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 and it's just so upsetting that, that this is, this is a, a special place, a, a sacred place, if you will. And, and the most important thing that's ever happened in history happened right there. The death, burial, resurrection of Christ, and now it's just a bus depot. They've taken the profane and they've just put it right on top of the holy. But then it reminded me of what I do in my life. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I, I've been saved by the blood of Christ and, 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 and I've been made holy in the, in the sight of God. Yet I take this this life that God has given me and I fill it with the profane and the things that don't honor God and, and I'm just making a bus depot in a sense. We, we need to pause and deal with the sin that separates us from the Lord and keeps us from having the kind of faith that, um, that we see that David has here. We have to understand that we can't embrace persistent sin and unconfessed sin in our lives and have a strong faith at the same time. Uh, We have to understand that the Bible doesn't have a category for a person who who is involved in sin and and who is uh, is living in this persistent sin and is not not torn up by his sin, not confessing his sin and seeking to overcome his sin. But, but at the same time, he's, he, he, he presents himself as a spiritual man and he believes himself as a spiritual person. And, 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 and we have a lot of people who live lives like that, but the Bible has no category for that. You never see that kind of spiritual life described in scripture. It is far into scripture. And if we think that describes us, I have persistent sin in my life, unconfessed, yet I, 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 I love the Lord. Then, then what is really happening is that we've just been deceived. We've just been, we've just been deceived. You know, there comes a time when we have to quit excusing sin and we have to start forsaking sin. Listen to Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. You know, we're so quick to talk about the forgiveness of God and, and certainly the forgiveness of God is real and wonderful, but I'm afraid we've talked so much about the forgiveness of God that, that we have created this confusion where people think that that means that God's not very serious about sin, that God is casual about sin. That's the furthest thing from the truth. The Bible says God, God hates sin. What we need is a, is a greater appreciation for, uh, for having a fear of the Lord in our lives. And so let's do this with our head bowed and eyes closed. Father, I, am, I admit that where my faith comes up short of what I read in the book of Psalms, it's exactly because of sin. And while you do forgive sin for those that are children of God, 
you do hate sin at the same time. Father, I pray that I won't have a casual cavalier attitude about sin. Father, I'll recognize it for what it is. Something that causes my faith to be sick and to be weak. Father, I confess my sin to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The third thing we do when we see from reading the book of Psalms that we fall short in our spiritual lives is we just must do what David did. We must walk with the Lord. Uh, This is the reason why we're doing uh, the Psalms in July. We may do this forever in July if the Lord allows But the reason I want to encourage people to be reading every single year significant parts of the book of Psalms, if not the entire book, is because here we see what what it looks like to be walking with the Lord, to be stepping with the Lord, to be living with the Lord. It's not some grand commitment that I'll never sin again. It's not some bold commitment to service that uh, is, is beyond anything that anybody has ever done. It's just daily walking with the Lord. And the way we learn to do that, one of the ways that we learn to do that is by reading the book of Psalms because it allows us to look over David's shoulder and to see his walk so that our walk can match that. Just your head bowed and eyes closed. Father in heaven, I pray that we will have a walk with you that looks like that feels like, that has the same passion, that has the same affection uh, that uh, we see in the life of David as we read these Psalms every day. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we respond.